Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You follow me at Mike Dugar. I'm verified, so I don't have to spell the tag out. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C K I D D two zero six and I C Kidd two zero six. On the phone with us today is the man, the author of what I have nicknamed the Draft Bible, but is really actually the Beast. The draft guide. We have the athletics own Dane Brugler. Dane, what up, man? How's it going? It's going well. Hard to believe uh, the draft's over. You know, all that preparing, all that work, and now it's just it's complete. But it, it, it is nice to be able to talk about fits and you know where these guys ended up instead of trying to guess where they're going to go. So that, that's a, a good part of it. So I appreciate you guys having me on to kind of discuss the aftermath. Man, if you guys have not checked out Dane's draft guide, it's on the Athletic. It is absolute. It is so thorough, man. Dane's got these dudes' background from like if they're spelling bee champs or won <laughs> wrestling titles as like a sophomore to their, their, their birth name. Oh man, I yeah. Think- he he actually had Miles Gaskin in the four by one in his time in high school. He won state and track. I was like, look at that. That's dope, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite part of the, the process is because I, I love their journeys. You know, because every one of these guys takes a different journey and. That helps me, helps every evaluator understand where they're headed. It's the journey to get from, you know, where they started to this point. And, and, you know, it helps forecast where they're going to go in the future. So I love looking at each one of these because each one's different. Each Each one of these players takes a different journey to get to this point. And so it's fascinating to learn. Uh, and I mean, LJ Collier, uh, the Seahawks first round pick is no different. He, you know, his, his journey is different than everybody else's. So it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, man. If you have not checked that out, guys, please, please go do that. Especially, I mean, I was using it the whole draft. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Like every time the Seahawks pick someone, I went straight to the draft guide, control F, <laughs> and go, go find the guy. I was, I was in trouble when they drafted John Ursua because they didn't have much in there. I was like, oh no, <laughs> what do I, yeah. what do I do? Uh, I want to start, Dane, with uh, after after the draft, you published uh, your power rankings of how yep. you know you felt each team did. The Seahawks aren't that high on there, uh, number twenty one on your list. Kind of, wh- how did you come up with that ranking, and maybe what could the Seahawks have done better with their class? Well, yeah, I, I hate doing grades. You know, it's just it, it's so it's very self serving because it's basically okay. Did, did you pick the guys I liked? Okay, well then you got a good grade. If you didn't, <laughs> then you didn't. You know, it's just. But at the same time, I spent all this time working on these players, so you know I'm okay doing just a, a list of who I thought did really well. And you know I didn't think Seattle did poorly by any means. Um, it, it, first of all, they were at, at an advantage entering the day with what five draft picks total, so we knew there was going to be some trading back and trying to acquire assets, and so they were going to have to trade away from some good players in order to uh, acquire additional assets in the draft. So that certainly goes into it. Um, 
now I, I thought in the first round with LJ Collier, uh, I had a late second round grade on him, and but I knew he was going to go high. Um, I actually had him in my first round mock, uh, so I, there, I knew there was a, a very good chance he'd go in the first round, especially after we saw the run on pass rushers uh, in the top half of round one. Uh, you know, we knew Collier wouldn't have to wait very long. Six uh, two, two hundred eighty three pounds, power rusher. Uh, he'll he'll throw everything out there. It, you know, he'll throw the kitchen sink out there. Just needs to learn how to kind of control everything and be more efficient. And um, you know, he's basically a one year starter. He didn't really do much his first three uh, or four seasons since he was a redshirt um, at, at TCU, and then uh, got a chance as a senior and uh, played well. And I tell you what, LJ Collier is the uh, a great example of why it's important for all these players to go to the senior bowl or a postseason all-star game. I'm not sure LJ Collier is in the first round, if not for what he did at the senior bowl. He had a really good week down there in Mobile. Uh, and I think that really helped push him into the first round. And, you know, I think for TCU or for uh, the Seahawks, I don't know if Collier is going to be able to come in and be this difference maker. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect him to be. I think he's going to be more of a part-time starter, uh, part of a rotation as a rookie, and then hopefully by year two you have a, uh, a guy that you consider a reliable starter. I think, to me, that's best-case scenario for him. And uh, speaking of background, I'm going to plug Stephen Cohen, our managing editor of this, uh, The Athletic Seattle, did a great story today on LJ Collier's background in Mundy, mm-hmm. Texas. So really good. Yeah, he has a really interesting, interesting story. Uh, staying on, on LJ really quickly, uh, John Schneider mentioned that, you know, someone asked him, hey, when did the talent supply of defensive ends kind of run out? And, you know, he <laughs> said after Chase went to uh, New England, I think with pick 77, I, b- I believe. Did you, do you think that the well kind of ran dry on edge rushers around that time as well? Yeah, I think in that if you're talking about guys that can rush the passer, that certainly makes sense. Because um, I, I, I actually had um, Chase Winovich rated ahead of Collier. Um, so, you know, we saw the uh, – all the top guys go early, Bosa and um, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, um, Brian Burns, Rashawn Gary, Cleveland Farrell. We saw those guys. We knew those guys were going to be, you know, first-round picks. And then after that, there were some question marks. Now, uh, Jachai Polite from Florida had a lot of ability, but there were questions about off the field and uh, maturity. And so he was off a lot of draft boards around the league. So I'm not sure you can include Jachai Polite as part of that. Um, DeAndre Walker from Georgia, I liked a lot, but medical were the big, big thing with him. That's why he fell to, I believe, like the fifth or sixth round. But then after that, you have Chase Winovich, you have LJ Collier, Jalen Ferguson, and then I'd probably include Max Crosby in that mix. But yeah, after that, it it, it fell off pretty good. Uh, ben Bonagu was in there, and the Colts took him top fifty. Uh, another TCU player, so uh, there wasn't much pass rush uh, after that group. There's no question. Now, the, one of the guys after Collier that people want to talk about in Seattle is DK Metcalf, and I, I don't, I think he's already like a fan favorite, man. Between the shirtless video and then with Pete Carroll being shirtless too, there's just a lot, a lot going on there. You know, you had him rank, like you said, ranked really highly, your highest ranked receiver, and then he falls to to 64. How do you think he fell so far, and that the Seahawks were able to get him in the end of the second round? Yeah, he was my top receiver, but I, I wasn't super high. I know some people thought he was like a top 20 pick, and that I had him as 27 overall on my board, I believe, 27, 28. So, you know, I, I wasn't sky high on him. I thought it just – when you look at him, it's all about the traits. He's a pure projection because he is not a well-rounded, seasoned receiver. He's just not that guy yet. He's 6'3 and a half, 230 pounds. 
and he runs a four three uh, with a forty inch vert, and you know this ridiculous power speed combination. He he reminds like I don't even know if we have a great co- uh, comparison for him in the NFL right now. I think he's basically a souped up version of Ted Ginn. You know, like that—that's kind of who he is because he's—he's he, not going to be a guy that consistently separates with footwork out of the break. He's not going to be, uh, you know, a route runner who's just you know running circles around DBs. That's just not his game. And I think he'll get better uh, as a route runner as as he continues to grow and develop. He's only a redshirt sophomore coming out of Ole Miss. Had had the injury issues. That is another reason why uh, he fell a little bit. Just you know, teams looking. Okay, he played three seasons in college. Two of them ended prematurely due to a season-ending injury, so that goes into it as well. But it's just the fact that he's he's a projection. He's all traits at this point, and uh, the NFL is gonna they're gonna bet on those traits, which I'm surprised they didn't bet on him a little earlier. But for the Seahawks, I mean, it's a great get that late. Where I mean, I can all I think it's gonna be tough for him to have you know he's not gonna step in and be a number one from day one. That's you know I, even if he went in first round, that's it wasn't gonna change anything. That's not who he is. But I can already envision, you know, Russell Wilson running around back there, and you know, kind of throwing it up, and DK going up and getting it with that powerful frame and that speed. It's it's, it's going to happen. So, um, I you know, he, he's a guy that you come in that comes in and you work him into the rotation as an outside receiver, and you know, design a few plays and let him go up and get the football. Use that speed to you know stretch out the field. And that's that's kind of what the Seahawks do. They want to rely on the run game and then you know, take a few deep shots. So, I mean, DK Metcalf fits that mold of what they want in a receiver. Okay, and with working him into the offense, do you think that DK can make an impact as a rookie? I think he can, uh, but it's it's going to be uh, more big plays rather than a lot of consistent plays. You know, it's going to be like this past year at Ole Miss, he averaged 22 yards per catch. This is just ridiculous. Uh, you know, he's going to have some plays where with that catch radius, you know, he can make catches that few other people can make. And so if he is able to develop some chemistry with Russell Wilson and during training camp and Russell Wilson is comfortable with that catch radius where he knows he can just kind of throw it up and DK is going to go and get it. And then he's going to be able to, to make an impact. And it's, again, it's not going to be where he's going to have games where he's going to go, you know, 80 for 120 yards. Like it's more going to be, he's going to have four catches for, you know, 87 yards and two touchdowns. Like he's going to have a few of those games where he's just going to have these big splash plays uh, where he's going to be able to make an impact. It's just not going to be – it's going to be more big impact than consistency. Ooh, that's – man. They got a home run guy, it sounds like. That's, that's fine. Right. Maybe not won't, won't hit a bunch of singles, but he'll hit some bombs. <laughs> you know, that's fine. Right now, that's exactly what he is. Okay. Now, speculation on Doug Baldwin's future playing for the Seattle Seahawks is, is in question. And mm-hmm. the Seahawks did draft Gary Jennings. They drafted John Ursua. And you have DK Metcalf, the home run hitter. Do you believe Gary or John could possibly fill the role of the slot? I, you know, it, it is a lot to ask, but I think at the same time, uh, you know, I think they're capable. Ursua, uh, he just missed having a report in my guide. I ranked him. I don't. He was like number, gosh, what was he? Um, receiver. He was like in the. the, the, the someone in the fifties, I believe. My fifty-five receiver, something like at, that. You got him at fifty-five. Yeah, okay, but he he's, he's a small slot guy is what he was. Uh, he's a little bit older. He, he had like a, a mission, uh, I believe in France, I want to say. Yep, he went um, to so Paris for two older. years. Right, so he's, 
He's a redshirt junior, came out early, but he's an older guy. Um, 5'9", 178 pounds. Uh, he was okay. Uh, yeah, I think he ran like four, five, six at the pro day. Uh, six seven seven in a three cone, if I remember right. So he's more, you know, quicker than fast. Where uh, he he did his best work in a slot. He was a high volume target. Uh, did a nice job in that type of role. So I wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, Ursu was able to come in and you know, uh, it, it, you know, earn a earn a spot based off of what he can do in a slot uh, in that type of role because he's he's a smaller slot option who's quicker than fast and you know that's not trying to you know typecast him by any means but that's just kind of what he's what he does best uh, that's that's what his role is Jennings uh he played a lot in the slot at West Virginia but I don't know I, I projected him as more of an outside receiver at the next level he's 6'1 215 really good speed 442 speed um and he I know a lot of people like David Sills his quarterback or his teammate at West Virginia but I always thought Jennings was the better prospect for the NFL just because uh, of what he can do down the field, um, his speed, uh, just needs to be a more consistent route runner to uh, stay on the football field. But I think he's underrated. Size, speed, he, had, he has a confidence to him that you really like. Um, he's he's a physical player. He's confident. So with uh, with Jennings, I think he has experience where he can play in the slot, but I still think his best position will be outside at the next level. Nice, okay. And then I do want to hit on Phil Haynes. I, saw, I read that... He did play some basketball. He's a talent. He he got some skills, and you mentioned yeah. that he's 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 powerful. But what 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 is he going to bring to the Seahawks running game if he does get an opportunity to get out there? Yeah, it's all about power. That's the name of the game with Phil Haynes. And yeah, he's he's a guy who didn't play offensive line until he got to Wake Forest. He was a basketball guy, played a little bit of football, but he was more of a, on the defensive side of the ball. Goes to Wake Forest. They convert him to an offensive lineman. Um, just shy of 6'4", 322 pounds. Love his anchor. I mean, this guy just does not refuses to get moved uh, in pass pro. And then as a run blocker, he has uh, some heavy hands. And just, you know, he will move bodies uh, in his way to create those run lanes. So um, not the most uh, – he's not a bad athlete, but he's not the most fleet of foot. Uh, he's a little heavy, heavy-footed in his movements. Um, not going to easily redirect, but he's a powerful guy. And so I, I want him playing in a phone booth where, uh, you know, no one's going to outmatch him. But if he has to move and deal with some space, that's where he might struggle a little bit, at least initially while he kind of catches up to the speed of the NFL. But he has power. He can reset on the move. Uh, he stays balanced. He, he doesn't overset. And he doesn't uh, you know, overextend his reach. Uh, understands how angles work. So, uh, you know, he does a nice job walling off run lanes and doesn't allow defenders to disrupt uh, the integrity of, of that lane. So there's a lot to like about Haynes. And where Seattle got him, he, he was definitely one of my favorite uh, picks that Seattle came away with because, you know, outside the top 100 picks in the, on day three of the draft, Phil Haynes is exactly the type of target I think you should go after because there's a lot to like about him. Plus, you, you think he, his best football is still ahead of him. Where do you see his pass protection, even though the Seahawks, they <laughs> – they don't throw the ball too often. They will they will run it one thousand times and, and throw it ten. But how are how how are your thoughts when it comes to him blocking pass pass wise? I, I think that mentally he's not there yet. I mean he still needs to uh, you know moving parts can kind of give him some trouble. Uh, you know dealing with different pressures and blitzes. He, he's still kind of putting together how to uh, how to put that all together and be efficient in his movements. 
Um, you know, so I think he sees it well. He just, he doesn't, the instincts aren't quite there yet. Um, any type of space is going to stress him a little bit. Uh, doesn't have the best body control. So, and, and his feet are just not, there's no suddenness to his feet. Uh, they're a little heavy. They, they don't have urgency. So it, it, any type of space will give him some trouble. So it's all about keeping him confined and uh, not asking him to cover a large area if you want him to hold up a pass pro. I want to ask a question about uh, Gary Jennings and his background. I know you get real thorough uh, with the guys. I, I, I think right after the, he got picked, people figured out that he played basketball with Russell Wilson's sister and Russell was coaching. Did you figure that out in, in, in your digging on him? I, I did. I did read that. Um, and, and yeah, there's a lot of fascinating things with him. Like his uh, his dad uh, is in the FBI uh, in, in high school. Yeah, he was a big basketball player. He also he played quarterback in high school. So yeah, there's a lot of things with uh, with Jennings that were interesting. Uh, it's like you said, there's there's a nice Seattle connection there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're a receiver, the first thing you want to do is have a connection with the quarterback. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's that's how you. Uh, you make the team right there. I want to flip to the other side of the ball real quick because that's where Pete Carroll's, you know, made a name for himself is developing young defensive backs. And he went and got two in the draft: Marquise Blair out of Utah and Ugo Amadi out of Oregon. You know, let's. I want to start with Blair because he jumps off the page with a team that you know is still recovering from the contract and the season-ending injury of, of Cam Chancellor. You know, Marquise is a hitter. You know, what else are we getting in Marquise besides a guy who's who's going to knock some people out? Well, it's funny because I, in my report on Marquise Blair, I compared him to a 195-pound version of Cam Chancellor. And lo and behold, Seahawks draft him. So it makes complete sense with the way he can run the alley, play with conviction, loves play violence, uh, not afraid to hit anybody. And you watch his tape at Utah, and he's everywhere in the football field. Linebacker, free safety, strong safety. Uh, he's following the tight end all over the field. I mean, he, he is single high. Whatever you want him to do, uh, he, chances are he's done it uh, at, at Utah. So that versatility is definitely a key part in it. And, you know, two years ago, um, it's actually my, my cousin's husband uh, coached him in high school uh, in Worcester, Ohio. And so he told me about Blair and told me to – keep an eye out for him yet there's some character stuff just you know being able to you know stay on the football field just uh, uh you know a few things in his background grades were an issue things like that nothing overly concerning um but as, if he figured things out and stayed consistent then you know he had a chance to be somebody and heck i mean i i i liked his film i gave him a, a fourth round grade but uh surprised the seattle uh they, they picked him as early as they did especially with some of those other safeties that were on the board like you know Juan thornhill and who I thought they they liked a lot, and uh, uh, Taylor Rapp from their backyard in Washington. So, but I think that there's a lot to like about uh, about Blair because a lot of what he does translates the play speed, the versatility, uh, the aggressive mindset. Uh, I mean, you just at, at some point you worry about 195 pounds and that holding up with the way he likes to play, his physical appetite. So, I mean, really. That's just, uh, and sometimes that aggressive nature will work against him. So if you can get him to dial it back just a little bit to be more consistent, uh, then I think he can be a solid NFL starter. Yeah, something that stood out to me when I was looking at Marquise, reading how you kind of compared him to Cam and then seeing that he was he got booted from some games in college because of how he was hitting. Mm -hmm. does, that, does that signal maybe a lack of a discipline at all to you? 
Oh yeah, yeah. It just he loves to play and he loves to play. He loves to he loves contact, and it's just a matter of reeling it back and being consistent. And it's not it's not only to uh, avoid uh, penalty, but to avoid injury. You know, it's great that you want to be physical and you're hungry and you want to make plays, but at the same time, it's uh, you know kind of it's almost self preservation because you need to be smart with your hits and you know to avoid flags and to avoid injuries. So discipline, uh, I think, is absolutely if there's one weakness or one area where he needs to improve upon to stay on the football field at the next level is absolutely it's discipline because with his 195 pound frame and i don't think he's getting much bigger to be honest with you he was only 180 pounds at the senior bowl got up to 195 at the combine i don't think he's a guy that's going to get that much bigger uh so discipline uh will definitely be a big thing moving forward for him i want to squeeze this other db in here uh, real quick, Ugo Amadi, you know, another guy who Pete Carroll just mentioned can play all over the place. I think he was the guy in the press conference, I have to go double check, but said he played two years at safety and then played two years at corner and then two years at nickel, four years on special teams. I don't, the math didn't add up there, but I get where, <laughs> I got where he was trying to go uh, with it. Like, where does he project best uh, in Seattle's defense, do you think? I, to me, he's a, a natural nickel because he, he has a little of the corner ability, has a little of the free safety ability. But I want to I want to keep him as a nickel player where I do worry about the size. He's he's just a little bit over 5'9", 199 pounds, has decent speed. He's in the low four fives. Uh, not a great athlete, but a good athlete. Uh, he, he was a return man in, in, uh, in college, so that gives you some versatility there. But I think he's going to be a nickel where I don't – because I don't know if he'd survive on the outside. I don't think he'd survive at safety. But if you keep him in that nickel role where he has the toughness, he has the read-react quickness, he has the ball skills where he can survive there, a really smart – he's the type of guy you put him on the whiteboard and you come away liking Amadi a lot more than you thought because he is a very smart football player. Uh, and he's very competitive. Uh, and that shows on tape. It shows in – uh, just when you talk to him about playing ball. Uh, it, so I think that, uh, you know, he's a guy that on paper isn't overly uh, impressive. You know, 5'9", 199 pounds, doesn't have a true position. But you like football smarts. You like his nose for the football. And, you know, that's why uh, the Seahawks felt comfortable drafting him as, as early as, what, the fourth round. So I think he's going to be just that nickel player. Uh, and uh, you look at the Seahawks roster, and I think the nickel spot's open. So, you know, Amadi's certainly a guy that could win that job as a rookie. I, I want get to you, get you out of here on this, uh, Dane. We, me and Chris both went to Washington State, right? We're, we're Cougs, mm-hmm. but we, we'll – We'll get you out of here with talking about Ben Burkirvin from Washington because we have to. I mean, that's another big pick around here that people love when they pick, you know, Huskies. So, I mean, what, what kind of impact can uh, can Ben Burkirvin have? Maybe not right away because of Bobby, KJ, Michael Kendrick's already on the roster, but maybe down the line. And when you draft a player, you know, you want to really bet on one on something. And, you know, whether it's the production, whether it's the traits, whether it's the testing. And Burkirvin, you know, you look at the production, okay, 176 tackles as a senior, led the FBS, okay, uh, you know, you're not a bad football player if you can do that. So there's something there. But then also, for a guy, I mean, he's not the biggest guy. He's about six foot two thirty. Uh, but he ran in the mid four or fives. Uh, he, he tested really, be- really well, better than I think most people thought. Uh, this is a guy who, uh, big time in high school, he was a big time running back, had over a thousand yards as a rusher. Um, didn't get a lot of play as a as a recruit, but all he does is you know kind of outproduce where what people think. And I, it's not going to surprise me if he does it at the NFL level as well. So you just, I, I think he has some scheme limitations. 
But, man, there's a place in the NFL for his instincts, his play speed, uh, the way he can, uh, you know, see ball, get ball. He just unlocks his hips and he goes and he makes plays. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Might not be the fastest guy in the world, might not be the biggest, but you don't see a lot of mental mistakes on his film. He just, he loves to play. And so that, that shows. And that's the type of guy that'll get on the field for special teams and then uh, some sub packages while they try to figure out what to do with them. Man, you guys listening right now, I hope you guys appreciating this insight Dane's got, man. I don't think there's anybody that you're going to hear talk as, as like, insightfully as, I don't know if insightfully is a word, but, you know, intelligently is a word, uh, about the Seahawks draft class. Dane, we thank you so much, man. You're definitely painting the picture of what the Seahawks are getting uh, in these kids. We appreciate that. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. That's, and that's the whole purpose of, of, of the beast, the draft guide, is I want to paint a picture for uh, each one of these guys and, you know, hopefully for everybody that got it. And there's still time to get it. You know, if you're you want interested in all these players, uh, check out The Athletic. The draft guide's part of your uh, subscription. And, uh, you know, you, you'll be able to look at Seattle's draft class and hopefully get a better feel for uh, uh, who they are. So I appreciate you guys having me on today. All right. Thank you, Thank man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, man, so much. And yeah, guys, please check out the draft guide, man. I like to call it the draft bible, man, because it's 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 so <laughs> great, man. Are you guys listening to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast? Again, my name is Michael Sean Dugar. Here, my co-host Christopher Kidd. We had Dane Brugler of the Athletic. Make sure you guys rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We're also on Spreaker. Uh, thank you, guys, so much. Chris, you want to say anything? Anything else you want to add before we let you go, Dane? No, I mean, you guys covered it. I mean, yeah, check out the athletics for uh, everything we've got. I just posted a 2020 uh, mock draft this morning. So uh, you want to be uh, get a head start on 32 players to watch for next year's draft. Go check that out. Dave's already on 2020, man. We can't keep up, man. Oh, that is, that is dope. Never man. a day off. <laughs> and on that note, man, thank you guys for listening. We're out. <laughs>